0: Amen. 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 All right. So we began a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we've been in this journey of of the book of Ephesians. And um, we've been kind of going, if you haven't realized that we are going through the book of Ephesians, uh, uh, kind, of verse, like, kind of verse by verse, but um, not completely. But um, we have been studying this idea and we began in the first three chapters. So the first, so let me just give you a quick review. For those of you who haven't been with us, um, or if you missed. Um, so the book of Ephesians was written by Paul. It's one of Paul's prison letters that he wrote from prison. And um, he is he's preaching to a group of believers that he himself had been a part of. He knows these people. He knows this group. Um, possibly this scripture. This, um, he's writing to this church in the uh, town of Ephesus. Ephesus was a very metropolitan um uh, very busy, uh, third largest uh, city in all of Rome at this time. And he's writing to this church there. So it's very diverse. The church is very diverse, filled with people from every walk of life, like, um, like you would know here, because it was a port city. So there was a very diverse group of people, um, including both Gentiles and Jewish people in the same churches. So the diversity of the people that were there in the thinking of the people were there. And, and one of the things that theologians talk about in this book is the, the quality of the, the message of unity that's uh, really prevalent in this book, in this, in this letter, excuse me, that, that Paul wrote. So Paul begins the first three chapters, and he talks about these ideas of, of, of what Christ has done through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He has, um, he's caused us, he's caused him to be exalted, the scripture says. In the first three chapters, it talks about that he is seated high above every principle, like, like what we just, read, that we just sang about, that he has been lifted up high above every authority, every power, everything that's named. Jesus has been put above all those things, has been given authority over all. Everybody say authority. 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 Um, so he has been given authority over everything because of what, what he's done. He's defeated death, hell, the grave. He's defeated all those things, right? And so now, and then also it has this strain, this twist to it in the third chapter where he says, not only was Jesus raised, but you were raised with him and you were seated with Christ in heavenly places, right? Um, okay, so one, uh, let me just recall something that I heard this weekend, I never really thought of it before, but it, it works into this message. But actually one of the, um, actually it was Karen Wheaton, she was talking about this idea that that, you know why, um, uh, when, when the Bible says that the devil, if the devil only knew, if the devil only knew, he says, the scripture says, if the devil only knew what he was doing, he, he said he would have never crucified Jesus. And we think, oh, yeah, because Jesus was rose from the dead, he defeated death. But also understand this, that part of that is you were raised with him. If the devil only knew what happened, what was going to happen, Because not only was Jesus raised, but now everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus is raised now with him and seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, right? So you and I have this authority. And we did a message, one of my messages in the series has been take your seat. Take your seat where you belong, right? You don't have to allow all this stuff to control things of this world and the enemies of this world to control you. Right We picked on some things like like you don't have to have addiction doesn't have to be your story. like um, uh, depression and anxiety doesn't have to be the final the, the final note of your story that there is a power greater, and actually you are seated with him. and so we talked about this idea of resisting. we need to live in this idea of resisting because we are in a world at war whether whether we know it or not, we are in a world at war. There's, 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 all you have to do is turn on the news and see all the stuff that, that the enemy does all across, our, all across our nation, all across our world, that the harm he brings, the, the destruction he brings, all you have to do. And so we as believers are the light. We are seated with Christ. So we, have, we need to have this position in our own lives of resisting. no. And we always you know, talk about it all the time. Not to me, you don't devil, right? Not to me, not, not to me. Mm-mm. No, 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 not to me. So And then, so we switch gears because the book of Ephesians switches gears. And so he uses this word in, um, in Ephesians chapter 4. So this is where the, the letter kind of shifts. So all of these things, he says, you've, you've been given all these things. You're seated with Christ. He gives three chapters worth of what you've been given in Christ. And then he uses, for all you English people, he, see, he uses this word, therefore, therefore. So because of all of these things, Paul says, now therefore, he says, that as, he says I as the prisoner of the Lord. Remember, I said this is a prison letter that he's writing. He's writing from prison. Urge you to walk worthy of the calling you've received. So he says then that like you are going to, because of all these things, we are called to walk. And we, we use that word walk. We understand that that's, your behavior should match your calling. Your behavior should match what Paul, what Paul says you've been given. And it's interesting that the first place he begins talking about is interpersonal relationships in the church. In the church. So he talks about things like um, disunity and arguments and different quarrels and different, the way we treat each other. He says, actually, the way in in the light of everything that Christ has done for you, he says, hey, be careful that you walk in unity. Remember, he's talking to this, this church in Ephesus. You Gentiles, you Jewish people with completely different backgrounds, get along flow together. We're all part, and he talks, we said this last week, that we're all part of one body. Remember my skeleton? We're all part of one body, fit, connected, together, right? We're supposed, and the idea is that we, even the diverse part of who we are, like in this room, there's diverse backgrounds. There's 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 diverse um uh, 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 financial, whatever. There's diverse, all kinds of things. And God commands us, listen, to we are called to build each other up. And he uses this idea of a ligament and a bone to support each other. And that's what we're called to do. And we made this statement that during COVID, many people were taught that, oh, I don't really have to go to church. Because what we said church was, nobody preached it this way, but in action, this is what we said. That church is, you go to church, some some band plays their music, and maybe I can engage in a little bit of worship. And then this guy or this girl will get up and preach, and we all go home. And then we said, that's what church is. That's not what church is. It's a part of what church is. But a major part of this church, this idea, is that we are a body. Supposed to be building each up, building each other up, and encouraging one another, right? So so we said that. So that's in review. So let's continue in our... Um, so I'm going to read. I'm going to put my glasses on. I'm actually going to read from... See, I don't need my glasses because I can make my font as big as I want. So, but I want to read from, so we're actually, if you're following along, I want to start in verse 17. It's kind of where we left off, right, last week. Because we talked about, like, if you look at verse 16, from the whole body is fit and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes growth for the body, building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Like, we all have our individual parts. And we said our thing is, so if we're going to be the people that resist, hang on a second, this is not going to work. If we're going to be people that resist, we're going to have to do this, not only alone, but we're going to resist together. Yeah. And so we asked the question in more review, <laughs> as I, as I clean my glasses, it, that is it okay that people in this room, there's people in this room that really have a battle with depression. Is it okay with us? As a group, as a body, is it okay with us that there are people in here struggling with addiction? Is that okay? No, that's not okay with me. No, you don't. Not, not, no, not to not the not to my friend. You don't, devil. Right. So, so how is this all going to work out? So it's going to sound like we're going off course. We're going to come back on course. Are we good. All right. Verse. Oh. I thought it was the glory cloud. It was just my glasses were. Anyway, starting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, again, there's that word. I say this and testify that you should no longer live as the Gentiles. Sorry, Gentiles that I'm writing to. Gentiles live in the fertility of their thoughts. Watch this, because they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. they become callous and have given have get excuse me and give themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impure impurity with a desire for more and more. So wow, what does this have to do with unity? We'll see here in a minute. I want us to see real quick, What Paul is the charm. I'm just going to go through this verse by verse. Is that okay? He says, I testify. And he says this. He says, the people. um, Oh, yeah. Excellent. Go back to verse 17. He says, I testify. No longer walk as the Gentiles do. So you should be different. Is the the understanding. And the futility of their mind. Their useless minds is what that word actually means. In verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. Watch this, watch this. Excluded from the life of God. They're excluded from the life of God. Remember, this is, in a minute, I'll get to that in a minute. And because of the hardness of their heart, they became callous. Let's talk about that word. So we see that this is, a not only is it a truth, a spiritual truth, But it's a mindset that these people that are outside the life of God, people who, and when he talks about Gentiles, he's not talking about the Gentile believers. He's talking about people outside the faith. He's talking about people (laughs) pre-Jesus, right? They're talking about people who haven't really walked into the light. As now, he's saying, as you have walked into the light, he said, there's people outside of this body of believers, these Christians that are walking this way. He says, A, they're excluded from the life of God. And he says this. He says their eyes are darkened; they don't see the way they should see. And then he uses this word, this word promiscuity. So immediately, usually we go to this idea that promiscuity is a, is in sexual in nature, and that's true. That's true. And especially in this area that he's talking about, Ephesus, which is a who I can't even say in public some of the things that they were doing. In the city of Ephesus, mass like uh, sexual sins and all the, all the things. We, we think it's bad in the United States. You haven't seen Ephesus. You think it's open here. It was really open in Ephesus. Part of their worship to the different gods were sexual in nature and all kind of things. But but it's interesting that he puts this word in here in the middle of this, and I'll get ahead of myself. But if you sandwich this in between um, what he said before and then what he said he's going to say after, he's talking about interpersonal relationships. It's interesting that he puts this idea. So this word promiscuity, it it basically means. Make sure I write it down. It's this idea that there's no boundaries, unrestrained living. Like this idea that there is no restraint for you, that anything kind of goes, is this word that he uses, this word promiscuity. And then actually in different places in Scripture, this same Greek word is used, and it's talking about different things in different places. It's one of those words. But this word, they translated it promiscuity. And then he says this, this desire for, the, for this open just desire and whatever unhinged, unrestrained, do whatever I want to do, whatever feels good to me, just do it, right? This idea of whatever just it is, then I'm just going to do it. And, and interesting, isn't it true that we've seen in culture that that, that that desire for to do whatever is never quenched? There is also, there's always another level. You, you people that are, you know, so I'm 50-something. We've seen like the more and more. We've seen that, right? We've seen that in our culture, the more and more. And so there's this desire. So that's what he's talking about. He says, so, so these are the people that are out there. And then he says this, and they became callous. So anybody who's ever played guitar. You know what it is to have calluses. Actually, to play guitar and not have calluses is terrible. It hurts. It's painful. But those those calluses, what they do is they protect. uh, Eric can tell you, uh, and Derek can tell you, the guitar players in here can tell you that you need those calluses because if you don't, those strings are so sharp, they'll they'll cut you. Right? And so it brings, and what those calluses do, watch this, it makes you dull to feeling. Makes you dull to f- feeling. That I don't feel, um, so let's switch it over into biblical terms. I don't feel the the, the and I'm gonna use this word, it's not the correct word, but let me use it anyway. It's this idea of this shame or this guilt, maybe that I should feel about doing these things that are ungodly but I don't feel those things anymore. I just do them and it doesn't matter. Can we say that about our world? That we just, they just, the people outside of Christians, we, they, they do things with no regard for anything for God. So because of that, they don't care. Like, I don't know why we're trying to convince people that what they're doing is wrong. They don't feel like it's wrong. That's, oh, amen, David, that's true. That, so that's where we're, that's where we're at. That's where they were at, but then he changes it. Stay right there. But verse twenty says this. Go ahead, go there. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Twenty-one, huh. assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth in Jesus. Then he says this: Take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Keep going. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Go next. And put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness, purity of the truth. Right? So he says, stop right there. So he says, look, he says, those Gentiles do like this? They're calloused. Whatever they want to do, they just do it? Whatever they, um, um, they have no restraint on anything. They just do whatever they feel like. Paul says, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't live unrestrained lives. Don't become callous to the word of God, to the instruction of the Lord. Because you're supposed to have put off your old way. So, some of you are familiar with the guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He has a whole teaching that he did. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a Lutheran who stood up to, um, when a lot of the Lutherans, sorry Lutherans if you're in the house, were going with Hitler, he actually stood up against um, against, uh, his own denomination and said, "Uh, no, that's evil. We're not doing this. And so that was kind of who he was as a German Lutheran. But he coined this phrase, and he called it cheap grace. And if I can pick a little bit, it's really a lot of what we experience in the church today. This idea that God has saved me by grace, but I have no responsibility to live out anything that I have said. That I prayed a prayer and this guy promised me that I'd have everlasting life. This guy promised me that I'd have forgiveness of my sins. But I didn't know I had to put off my old way of living, that I had to live quite differently. But then, but maybe you did. Maybe we did. We said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to start living differently. And what that meant was, that, that some of the songs on my Spotify list, I shouldn't. I should take them off. Maybe maybe those movies that I always watch. Maybe I shouldn't watch those movies anymore. Or or, or this. Maybe I shouldn't cuss anymore. I'm gonna. That's that's the. And watch this. We've limited it to that. This list of morals to stand up to. Now, are the things on your Spotify playlist you shouldn't be listening to? Probably. Are the things, are the movies that you're watching that you probably shouldn't watch? <laughs> probably. But that relegates this idea of what this is what Christianity looks like to that is not biblical. You understand? It is a completely different way of thinking, it's a completely different way. Of living, So how does that work out? We too can become callous. We too can live unrestrained. We, too, what what Paul is telling him that hey, look, there's a temptation for you to live unrestrained, and there's a temptation for you to live um, uh, uh, callous. Don't be like that. You're called to be different. This is a radical different. See this, this. so how does that work out? So I read, I read the, um, let's say I read the Sermon on the Mount. And I read things like when God, Jesus says, hey, if somebody strikes you on one side of your face, you turn and offer the other one. Oh, that's, well, what great allegory, Jesus. <laughs> oh, when John the Baptist says, hey, if you have two tunics, you should give one to somebody else. You, you, we're callous to it because we go, oh, that, uh, amen. Amen. That's a really, yeah, that's right. That's a really good idea. I will mentally assent to that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, I am with you. Preach, pastor. Those people, whoever those are, they should live generously and unselfishly. That's right. But we're callous because we don't identify that it's me. It's it's me. It's me who does the following. Now watch this. Watch. We think Paul switches it. He's not switching the idea. He's still talking about interpersonal relationships. Watch this. Verse, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, speaking the truth to each one, to, uh, to his neighbor, because we are members. He's, this, this thought is not different. This thought is the same. Paul didn't just go, oh, I'm going to talk about sexual stuff around here, and now I'm going to talk about this interpersonal No, he's saying it's the same thing. He's saying how you treat one another. Like this is, it, let me say it like it's, Actually, I said it this morning. Me and Julie were talking. It's like we say, this, this thing over here is like pornography. And we go, wow, that's bad. That's bad. And we're right. That's, you know, it's bad. It's bad for a lot. Pornography is bad for a lot of reasons. It's bad for what it does to people, not just men. Come on. It's bad what it does to people's minds and the way we view sex and all of those kind of things. But it's also bad that people have to feel like they have to expose their body to be recognized and seen. There's victims to this thing. We look at it and go, wow, that's dangerous. But these interpersonal relationships, we go, man, that's not that big of a deal. They're just as damaging, if not more, to unity in the body. Because we're supposed to each one support one another. Watch this. And this says this verse 26. Remember, he's still talking about we're members of one body. He's talking to the church. Be angry and do not sin, verse 26. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, 27. And do not let the devil have opportunity, 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, watch this. What's this? Okay, remember callous. Careful of your callousness in this next scripture because it will want to rise, raise its head up. Therefore, let the thief steal, no longer steal. Instead, do an honest, honest work so they can have great vacations. Mm, I wish he would have said that. With his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. Like, Like, I don't know about you, but like, if you're reading your Bible, you need to stop right there and go, I'm callous to that. I'm callous to that. Do I really think about others in that light? And And I know, I know, I know, I know all the, I know all the pushbacks. I know all the pushbacks. But don't push back so far that this scripture doesn't mean anything. Then he goes this, no, no, no Paul, we're on the right. Now now we're talking. No foul language. Foul <laughs> language. Don't be using no don't use that that oh, I was going to Don't use all those words. Don't let any foul foul language should come out of your mouth. Oh, maybe he wasn't talking about that. But what only what is good for building up someone in need. So that you so that it gives grace to those who hear. You see how we can grow callous? We go, oh yeah, no, no foul language, don't, don't be cussing. What is he talking about? Is he talking about the words? Or could it be that he's calling foul language, things that tear down and destroy and push down others? Now, now, we can do church one of two ways. I can just get up here and we can talk about how great God is and all blessings and blessings, blessing, blessing, blessing. Or we can strive to be the real body of Christ, to build each other up. All these things are good. The blessings of God are true and right. And we have authority. We have power. Yes and amen. Your brother and sister in this room needs you to exercise your authority for them. How? Speaking those words of kindness. Speaking those words of grace. Speaking those words of power and encouragement, building each other up. No, it's not okay that people are bound in depression in this church. No, it's not. And I can't use the excuse that it's not my problem. We're connected. The church of America needs to wake up to this idea. Because listen, if we believe, some of us, if we believe that real persecution is coming to the church, we better get this right because you're not going to do it solo. To come into church, listen to a message, and then going home is not what we're called to be. And I know this goes so contrary to everything, but I I, as a pastor, cannot get away from this, or I become just as callous as the Gentiles. These words matter. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, who you are sealed for the day of redemption. But this is grieving the Holy Spirit when we treat one another incorrectly. We, if you're a charismatic, we just said that, you know, somebody did something in service and all of a sudden they grieve the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about is we're not doing things the way God intended us to do. We're not being the church that God intended. He said that will grieve the Holy Spirit. Then he says, he go, oh, no, he must be going back and forth with thoughts. No, it's one thought. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting and slander... Facebook slander page. Be removed from you, along with all malice. Watch this next one. He's still talking about the same thing. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Listen, if if you read that scripture, I'm just going to be real. If you read that passage, And you step back from that, and you go, all right, nighty-night, Lord Jesus, I'm going to sleep. And it doesn't grip you, and it doesn't cause you to look in this mirror. The Bible, the Word of God is supposed to be like a mirror, you know, so that when you go to church, you don't have a big, you know, boogie. And you can look, oh yeah, I got a boogie right there. But many of some other churches, not this one, walk around with a bunch of boogies all over. Because we're not looking, we're not asking, God, show me how to be more like you. Yeah, I want to put away all those things that 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 all those moral lists of things. Yes, yes, all those things. But God, I can't forget how I treat each, we treat each other. The stuff that I'm telling you, we—it's it's not okay that people come to this church and say I have a hard time finding friends. That is not okay with me. That is not okay with me. We haven't built relationships, and it gets real easy in church world. I came from—I came from a church where we're super busy, super busy in ministry, doing everything, man. We're flying around doing all the kind of stuff, See, we're winning we're, we're the loss, you know, raising the dead, blah, 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 blah. We're, doing all, we're doing all the things. And when we, when, when we left, we went, we, we realized that when was the last time we went out to dinner with somebody from our church? When was the last time I had a relationship with somebody that didn't just require doing ministry together, doing stuff together? And I remember when we started this church, I went, "Well, oh, no, we can't. Not, that can't happen. Not that this church you don't devil. Relationships, friendships. So some of you were here last week. Come here, Alyssa. So last week I, um, I made an example. I actually wrote it down on Thursday. This is Alyssa. Alyssa works with our youth. As well as Dylan, who's, um, yeah, so he's sick. So, like with half the other people over church, praise God. But he's being healed, Dylan, in Jesus' yes. name. And Holland, Holland as well, his wife. And um, and so, but she works all, she works in ministry, she does all the stuff. And so, she is a teacher at um, ET Booth of the street, amen, for teachers, amen.
1: Yes.
0: And um, so, so last week, actually, I was writing my message um, a week from this past Friday or Thursday, and in my message, I wanted to give examples of what encouraging each other looks like. If some, y'all were here, you remember that. And I just remember, I, I just, and I wrote it all down. I thought I could go pull up my notes. But I wrote it all down, and I wrote things to the to the things, hey, listen, I just want to appreciate you for being a, um, being a school teacher. And I can't even imagine in the world we live in with the, the kids, you know, I'm gonna. Like, you be old and go. The kids these days. You know the the. You know the kids like. No seriously, we have issues, right? In our with our kids, our children. The enemy's trying to, you know, doing all the stuff. And I said that, but you stand like as a light. And I said I can't imagine like a you know you dealing with the kids and then also with the parents. Like you know I just appreciate you so much, right? And I said that in service as an example. So your turn.
1: So yeah, I if you were sitting next to me, you saw that I got teary-eyed at that because on Friday before last Sunday, I had gotten a really ugly email from a parent that really attacked my character, just kind of ended by saying that I traumatized their daughter. And it it hurt, it really hurt because I I try very, very hard to support all of my students. I try to go above and beyond for them. And so for a parent to feel that strongly about something that I did or I said to their student it was devastating to me and I was feeling very defeated about that um but also it was just kind of like I've done my part and I can't really do any more this parent has their thoughts made up about me and that's not going to like I can't change that um at this point uh and then pastor David you said that and I was like okay thank you god I needed that because it so, was directly from him
0: so so um so we didn't rehearse this. I just told you like literally how right before service that we're was gonna do this to you.
1: <laughs>
0: you never know. Careful what you tell me. So and um and so uh um what did that what did that speak to you? Those words, what did that speak to you? Lit name all, all the things.
1: That I was seeing. Yeah. I mean that was the biggest by, one that like by God yeah. that I'm in the middle of this, and literally two days later, he's like, Don't worry, I got you. Like I see you, I'm I'm here for you, and I'm gonna take care of it. It's gonna be handled, um, and it did. It got handled. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not dealing with that situation any longer. And it wasn't even the student's fault. I mean, like the there were no, there were no hard feelings with the student. It was just this parent did not like me and had yeah. their mind made up about me. Yeah. Um, seeing me through the eyes of an 11 year old, which is not always
0: the truth. <laughs> yeah,
1: I love your children. I do, but <laughs> let's be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah. So a simple thing that I did this past Sunday was all I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, and if you were there last Sunday, you should be here day. You never know. <laughs> but if it was so like, it was so casual. Um, actually, I didn't even read the script. I actually wrote out a script. I didn't even read the script. I just said them. Said words of appreciation. That's really all I did. I said uh, just words of appreciation and yeah. and acknowledged that, you know, and think, like, what did I do? I thought about Alyssa. I thought about that she's a school teacher. And in my mind, I understand. I work a little bit with teenagers. I understand the teenager culture and what's going on as far as disrespect for authority and all the, all the things and, All the stuff that teachers deal with, and um, apathy, and parent involvement, Mm -hmm. and parent protection of all their kids, and and I recognize that, uh, and Tony, as well as another school teacher over (laughs) there, and and Chris back there in the back, we have amazing school teachers in our in our church, and um, uh, so but I recognize it. That's that's really all I did, but God used words that I spoke in church. An affirmation, random, was a voice of the Lord into her life that brought encouragement. It built her up. Go back to that scripture um, about about the foul language. But no foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. So that it gives grace to the one through here. We're not even talking about financial giving. We're talking about just voice, gifts of your voice, of your mouth, <coughs> of encouragement. And what that did is it turned into God using it to build up doing exactly what that scripture does. You can have a seat. Give, give Alyssa a hand. See, this is who we're called to be. So many times we put up this, like, this super spiritual, I have a word for you, or if you're a charismatic background, I have a word for you, or this or that. that. That's fine. That's all good. We believe that here. But many times it's just a word of encouragement. Like, you you understand when you encourage somebody, you, you you, you can never miss God by encouraging somebody. Speaking words of encouragement. It's always right. It's always good. But why do we hold those things back? We're called to be different. Listen, this thing about living as a Christian isn't just about this moral list of things I should or shouldn't do. It's a complete transformation that looks so wildly different than the world that we stand out and we act different. Like it's not ethereal that some like the scripture says that that they'll know you are my <laughs> disciples Jesus said by the way you love one another. You think like people like, 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 how does that look in like normal church? Like, they just came in and everybody just held, held their hands up, got a great song, did some worship, heard a guy preach, and then they left. And an unbeliever goes, Wow, they really love each other. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Stand in the lobby of some churches, they won't be, in- anyway, the conversations, hmm. we are supposed to be different. And these scriptures cannot become just things that we just roll off of ourselves. You know, the Bible talks more about interpersonal relationships than the list of things. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Listen, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, and it doesn't drive you to prayer, and the self, like, inward looking, and questioning, and saying, God, no. We've become callous. I know this is hard, but listen. You know what's great? And then, you know what, this week, we had a we had a couple in our church. Huge, huge need. This couple, this couple, honestly, are most the most positive, encouraging people I know. And they they got hit hard with some discouragement and some uh, financial need. And that word just went out. Some people in the church made it happen for them. It's almost like that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Almost. It's almost. Yeah, come on. Like, I can pray for you. I can do all those things. But you know what? There's a, there's a guy in our church who needed somebody. He had a tree, a big, huge tree, fall down in his yard. You know what a bunch of guys did? That's not okay. There's, like, pictures of him by himself on Facebook. This big, I mean, this tree literally is, like, huge. I'm like, how is this one guy going to move all this tree? Fell in his neighbor's yard. So it's like, got to fix it. So a bunch of guys went over there and started, and then we're going to finish next week. But that's the body of Christ. Working together and know this, that the enemy would, do, would want to do nothing. We experienced so much division in these last two years. I'm not going to get all the way into it, but from political to COVID, to the restrictions, to the, all the other things. And I understand we all have our opinions. I have my own opinions. But it's not it's not worth the division. It's not worth the fact. It's not worth the idea that we are called to be one body, knit, joined together. Jesus prayed his last, one of his last prayers, God let them be one. You know what's great, though? We're going to do it. This church, we're going to be that light. Because I'm convinced, and I'll probably say this again in the class later. I'm convinced. You want give you some vision for our church? I believe that as this world grows darker, and it is, and it will, we believe, we understand that people, we just read it, people outside the faith, That have calluses, and they just do whatever they want to do, live however they want to live, except every kind of lifestyle. They're doing all this stuff. We understand that they are separated from the life of God, and that brings sadness. It brings destruction into their own lives. You see all kind of stuff, like you see the the family unit destroyed. You see all, all the things. There is a wake of brokenness that's coming. Church, hear me. There's a wake of brokenness that's coming. And we better be a house. And I believe this with everything in me. If God will trust us with people, he will bring us more. If God trusts us with people that He can know, if I bring them to Hope Church, I'd know that Kim, Kim Langhine, I was gonna use your old name, Kim Langhein is gonna go up to that person and love them, care for them, pray for them, encourage them, not just on Sunday, but then on Monday, call them again. Then on the last week, hey, are you coming to church? I want to see you, I want to sit with you in church because I know you're going through some stuff. I want to be here for you. If, if God sees that, who is God gonna to bring to our church? I don't want another recycled, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want a church swap all of Cherokee County. I want people who need to encounter God for the real. And God, let this church be that church. God, would you use us to heal the brokenhearted? God, would you use us, God? God, there's people in our world that are broken. They put on a face where everything's okay, but in their own personal life, God, there's trouble and trauma. God, would you use us to be a church that heals? Would you use us, God, to be not just a body that we create. God, use us to be your body. Our hands, your hands and feet extended to the people. God, first, as your words declared, first to the people of, of our church and then to the world. I have a vision of a church. When when God gave me the word, He when we talked about the, the name of the church, he said, I want you to create a community of hope where it's no longer that the only person who gives the hope is the person on the stage. We are all givers of hope. We are all people that can encourage and build up one another. And if we don't, if we use our words to tear down and destroy and bring division, the Bible just called it foul language. Not here. We are encouragers. We are people who build one another up. People who allow the gifts of the Holy Ghost to flow out of us into the lives and the love of God to others. And we'll give love and kindness. And then we'll also have, there's times for correction. And there's times for instruction and all those things. We're going to be the body of Christ. We're going to be the church that God's intended us to be. The devil comes to attack the church in different ways. Loneliness. Insecurity and addictions, and all of the things. But we are the body of Christ. And let me just push it off of me. I can't do that for even a small church like this. I can't do that for everybody. Not even really called to do that for everybody. My job is to train up the church scripturally to do the work of the ministry. So we are all equipped. Whatever your background, I mean, whatever we have to do, you're you're qualified. Did I do it right? I do, I do it the wrong I always do it the wrong way. Man, I'd be thrown out of so many Catholic churches, it wouldn't be funny. But you are anointed and appointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the church, and the church, the gates of hell, will not stand against it.